Hello and welcome to the third edition of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. It's been a while since John and I were with you, uh, but we hope that you have been patient and that this third podcast will bring you lots of joy and entertainment in, in the time you're listening to it. As much as it does for us. As much as it does for us. It's yeah. always a pleasure to record. We have a number of subjects that we're going to cover um, this time. Uh, first of all, we're going to deal with some of your questions uh, that we, we asked for. We'll get them out of the way first of all. Then we're going to have a wee discussion about urban motorways across the UK in general and how they compare with Glasgow. Uh, we've been travelling around a little recently and I think we're now in a good position to have a have a discussion on that. Absolutely. Um, and then we'll finish up with some uh, up and coming things in the, in the site agenda as well. So, John. Yes, I've got the questions here. Um, it's, as you've said, it's, it's been a while, so we've actually had these questions sitting. Yeah. Well, so just apologise to all the, the good people who've put these forward. Yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll do our best. Yeah, and thanks again them. to everybody who did submit some questions. It does always make life easier oh, yeah. for us when there's a, there's a few for us to, to go through. So. I don't think we had any last time, so um, no. we've, we've got some now. Yeah. Just yeah. And, and, and as, as we've said before, any question on any subject related to the motorway system, you know, we will try and answer it. You know, so please feel free to send it. And even no matter how silly you might think it is, it probably isn't. And someone else has probably thought about the same exactly. thing at some point. So. Yeah. No, there's no such thing as a silly question. No. Is there? No. There's... no. Well, well, we'll we'll kick it off with uh, Douglas Hoskins. Uh, he's got a question on Twitter. Okay. Uh, he's actually got two questions here, so we'll see how we can go. Yeah. Out. yeah. So, yes. First off, he asks, "Why do you see those motorway signs with FM frequency on them?" Nowhere other than central Scotland. Oh, this will be those old radio frequency signs mm-hmm. um, in, on the motorway on the M8 in particular on the M9. Tune into Radio Forth on yeah. 97.3. <laughs> tune into Radio Clyde on 102.5 and then BBC Scotland on 94.3 or whatever it happens to be in mm-hmm. your part of the country. These are a hangover from the old days when obviously independent local radio was new and you had the BBC services as well and let's be honest they were the only ways of communicating to drivers when they were out about in the road there was no mobile phone you couldn't get nope. a, you couldn't stop and check an app to see how the traffic there, there was there wasn't or, any Google traffic yeah, maps nothing yeah. like that there was, you know, there was no news on your phone you, you simply had the radio to tune into so they were helping you by telling people who travelled in particular maybe not people necessarily from the local area mm-hmm. people not from the local area that they tuned to these frequencies and they get their local radio and, and news or whatever yeah you know, I mean, the, the, the thing is, Douglas kind of puts this in a way is that, that you don't really see them outside of here. Why, why was it only down here? Well, I, I, so I've I, not seen them up north. I couldn't. It's a motorway thing. I would yeah. imagine it's more a motorway thing than this because motorways are long distance traffic and you're more right. likely to have roadworks or disruption or that kind of thing. So it makes sense. Right. Um, as for whether you only had them in Scotland, I don't know the answer to mm. that. And I'm sure that we could probably confirm that with one of our good. English counterparts. English counterparts, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who would no doubt be able to answer that, and we will certainly ask that question. Uh, it could be that they had them in England and Wales and they've simply been phased out over time. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know a number of them um, have they been seem, renewed. Yes, you know? they seem to survive. Yeah. Um, even, I've never seen any modern BBC logos on these things. No, you know? no, I mean, no. It seems to be... Seems to be older stuff. The, the Which original is for, stuff. for us, we like that. It's yeah. nostalgic, it's a throwback. No, absolutely. And those original ones <laughs> that you still see, and there's one on the M8 westbound junction 11 to mm-hmm. 12. There's one in the M9 or the M80 coming there's, south as there's well. There's one at junction 24. Junction 24 as the well. Helen that Street was, that was renewed. Yep, mm-hmm. I know that one was renewed. Um, the, you know, the, the original ones are probably 1980s, I would think. 
Yeah. They've not they've not necessarily been there since the the, the motor reopened, but they've no, been there for a good number along. of years. I. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's a good question, though. It's quite yeah, a yeah, thing yeah. to ask. We'll move on to Douglas' second question that he's got. We might spend some time discussing this. Um, what, what what he asks is, why does Glasgow have unique-style motorway gantries? Mm-hmm. Um, again, these are seen nowhere else in the UK. Yeah. yeah. We know, we know just what, what Douglas is, is, uh, is saying here is, is obviously the overhead signage gantries in Glasgow. Yes. Which are all typically on one layer yes and they are unique and they do yeah. look different because we generally see stacked and different designs we don't see something that's that. lit in the same way no that's very true and and this is a subject that does come up again and again mm-hmm. um, and i suppose it is kind of uh, advertised by us as well on the website because we do talk about the glasgow gantries and and, and, mm-hmm. and i in particular have a have a good interest in them mm-hmm. the simple answer is it's a throwback to when the motorways within the glasgow boundary were being designed and there was architectural input um, from William Holford and Partners as well as the designers at Scott Wilson and people at Glasgow Corporation at the time and they basically wanted something that blended well with the urban landscape around it Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something that's nice and light in colour it has a fairly thin unobtrusive profile Mm-hmm. Um, the simplest way to light it was to light it from the inside out so you didn't have additional light fittings and things like that poking up at it so it was very aesthetically pleasing and it still achieved what it had to achieve in terms of lane signage and yeah. destinations and all that kind of kind of information mm-hmm. now other cities have developed their motorway systems and the gantries have changed and developed over the last 50 years um, Glasgow simply hasn't had to do that and because so many of them were built so early on as the network expanded basically to provide consistency the use of that type of gantry was discontinued mm-hmm. and it offers some good functionality in terms of your maintenance mm-hmm. because it's an enclosed box and your electrics and things like that are kept away from the rain and the weather mm-hmm. um, that is a positive thing well, it's um, testament to the fact they've actually stood the test of time, haven't they? Yeah. You know, they've, they've been there. When were the first Glasgow countries actually put in? Nin- they... 1970, Kingston Bridge. Kingston Bridge. And then that was followed by Woodside in 1971, right. which then extended some back to Townhead. And then we had some uh, with Charing Cross, um, and then the Monkland Motorway Stage 1, and then Monkland Motorway Stage 2A and 2B, and Renfrew Motorway. And, and you know, it's just, it's, it just goes. Yeah, yeah. and they, they, they were then pushed further west again in the early 90s when St James was modified and, and, and right about Hillington and then the M74 completion had a variant of it you know it, it basically maintains consistency um, the, the signage isn't within the manuals uh, in terms of that design because it is so unique to Glasgow so it's not something that you would see someone copy elsewhere um, doesn't necessarily mean it's incorrect however as no. some might say it still achieves what it needs to achieve and it does it in a very unobtrusive way unlike a lot of modern gantries that can be stacked uh, with signs way up to 15, 20 metres above ground level. Mm-hmm. My God, that's, you know... You no, you're asking for, for trouble away. when the wind kicks, Absolutely. kicks off, don't you? I don't yes. think have had any wind-related recent issues with Glasgow Gantries. Uh, there have been some issues in the past, but fairly minor, fairly minor things. But yeah. things. Yeah. I think, Stuart, what we, we have spoke about is we'll probably do a separate podcast on the Glasgow Gantries. Yeah. Hopefully, with a sign expert with us yes. as a special guest... 
you know, uh, to, to maybe kind of uh, add add their insights into it. Um, but no, that's, that's a good question. Always one we'd like to take. Oh, about. definitely, definitely. Right, so the, <laughs> the next question here is another sign one. Would you believe it? Um, it's from Andy Kuntach. Um, this is also on Twitter, and Andy asks, "Why does the bottom half of loads of signs disappear?" So. That's one for you. That's one you for have me. insider information on this. <laughs> no, the, the thing that puzzles me a little bit here, Andy, is that you, you send the bottom half, but I actually see most of the time it's actually the top half of signs that tend to disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll first off explain why that happens. Uh, generally, when signs are put up, originally, you know, the poles and the plate are designed in tandem, so the plate covers the poles completely. Now, as years go on and redesigns come out, or if there's a problem with the sign, Sometimes a sign plate is bigger than the poles at the back. So sometimes, <laughs> I say sometimes, you do see it quite a lot if you look at the back of a sign. Extension poles are put at the back of the plate, not on the original poles to extend the sign. So this means that there is a, a, the, the, kind of the forces that act on the sign, the kind of wind loading against it, actually pull on the plate. And it rips the top plate off the top of signs when they've been extended in such a way. Yeah. That's my explanation for why the tops go. Now the bottoms, the only thing I can think of is, is, is depending on how the sign has been uh, attached to the poles, um, either, either with kind of a, a banding tape or, or clips. Or, or latex clips, for example, is a lot of the weight is often on the bottom plate of the sign, depending on how it's been put up. So, given that, can factor into the fact that the, the bottom plate might fail. I'm, I'm thinking that Andy's question comes from that um, the uh, trunk road customer information sign on the M8 near Junction 25 that seemed to be missing its bottom <laughs> panel for for a long time, but has recently been replaced. Yeah. Um, but final word on it. I see you as many bottom. The top parts as I do kind of bottom parts disappearing and it's yeah. mainly a failure of the clips or they've not been installed you know, properly. It's, it's one of these things it's like you know nobody can build manholes properly anymore nobody can build signs anymore 50 mm-hmm. years ago these things were solid yes. they didn't move an inch Nowadays, yeah. it's all a bit cheap, but you know. The, the other thing to do with sign damage, often you find most sign damage is at the lower part of the sign, and there are a few reasons why. You might think, oh, that's because a car's hit it. It's not necessarily, sometimes a lot of uh, highway maintenance equipment that's used for cutting grass uh, and things like that can often hit sign plates, and they get they get the old dent in them that way. It has been known. So, um, you know, damage, yeah, certainly to the, the lower parts. Yeah. It's very often where you find the graffiti as well. Yes, exactly, so, yeah. Um, yeah, hope that answers that question. Anyway, so um, I always, always quite like those kind of ones. Mm-hmm. So um, the next question comes from Craigie at Craigie sixty nine. Yeah, at Twitter. Um, so talking about the M eight here, the westbound stretch approaching Charing Cross. Both the Charing Cross and the Great Western Road slip roads should have dividers from the main carriageway to prevent queue jumpers using these lanes. So this is a big factor in slowing rush hour traffic. Mm-hmm. So do you know what he's talking about here? Yeah, so we've well, got a yeah. four-lane section. Now yep. you've got lane one and lane four which drop mm-hmm. at that junction, and obviously the two lane two and lane three carry on. Yeah, I know exactly what he means. What do you think? Of this? I have to agree completely um, with with what Craig is saying. Um, Again, though, I suppose like everything else, there would probably need to be some study done on it to see what positive effect it would have. You could find that you put that in and it maybe wouldn't make any difference. But but, but I would at least hope that Transport Scotland or the Scottish Government would be looking at it and considering mm-hmm. it. So maybe I, maybe I suggest maybe a few people write letters 
Could to be. Transport Scotland Could or a be. couple of emails to Transport Scotland and suggest that that might be something they want to look at mm-hmm. um, because let's be honest it couldn't make the situation any worse than it already is um, and what's there at the moment has been there since 94 95 when they widened yeah. it and put that in so it's had 20 odd years of use um, now might be the time to consider some more proper you know physical measures mm-hmm. to prevent that overtaking and cutting in at the last minute yeah. but it needs to be done in a way that's safe uh, mm-hmm. in a way that's not going to result in increased accidents by people trying to cut over at the last minute and hit barriers yeah. and things like that. You know, you need to you need to consider all these things as well. Exactly. Yeah. You can imagine putting kind of plastic cylinders in there and yeah, they just, they get, wiped just get wiped out. out yeah. There is an argument that goes on about this and it's is to do with late merging. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, that are these people really queue jumping or are they just using all the available road space? Yeah. Maybe, they're the, maybe they're the ones in the right. Yeah. You know, and I know yeah. there's different schools of thought. Certainly a traffic engineer would, approve, would, would, would argue the, the case that everyone should be using the available lanes yeah. and go in. But it suppose it depends where the, the, the lines between these lanes mm-hmm. and the main lines carrying on, yeah. where the taper begins. Yeah. Because if the line markings are the same, yeah. I would say, well, I think that's I think that's fine to carry on those lanes. Provided you're not undertaking traffic. Yeah, another thing you, know. you need to consider, I suppose, if you have a queue which is caused by an incident further round, say at Kingston Bridge, uh-huh. And you put in these physical barriers from lane one and four. Mm-hmm. You could then lengthen the queue for main line traffic ah. because there's less road space available to for attenuate. Tra- yeah. Yeah. So do you then push the queue back to junction fourteen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That could be something that would need to be looked at. So yeah, there could be there could be measures because let's be honest. Whenever you have four lanes going down to two lanes, <laughs> you're always going to have trouble. Always. Exactly. But exactly. let's be honest. That was not intended to be the case. Had the rest of the system been built, yes. that corner would have been much quieter. So please, people, don't think that that was a design flaw. It really wasn't. It really wasn't. <laughs> another one we get asked. Yes. Let me ask that, answer that question twice. I think we one. did, yes. So um, the next one is from Steve L. Knievel. Oh, Steve Knievel. Steve Knievel. That'll be Steve Knievel. I've read that in a very formal way. There, yeah. You've just said that is a great name. Um, this is on Twitter as well. So, um, Steve asks, I want to know why, when, the overhead gantry design changed to what they look like now, either like someone has made a mistake. Right, well, I, I'm, should we guess, he's, you know, Steve might be replying to maybe, you know, a Glasgow gantry related post that we've done? Uh, uh, right, okay, I mean, it could be. Should I mean, we, maybe, maybe we should just look at the angle of this question is, have, have there been any Glasgow gantries that you feel are kind of blatantly wrong? Or, or, no, you know, anything no, like no, 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 nothing's wrong. Everything's different. Okay, things vary from one place to another. They are different when you compare them to these stacked modern signs with Maybe that's what, what really he's referring to. Yeah, are saying these new ones. Are the new ones the mistake? Yeah. I don't think Maybe the so. Glasgow ones are right and the new ones are the mistake. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the rest of the UK is wrong. That's possible. Could be. Certainly the Glasgow, the Glasgow ones are very yeah. good. But then again, we are biased. So possibly what Steve <laughs> is getting the maybe the point he's trying to make is that the Glasgow ones don't have arrows and things like that, and mm-hmm. they're different. But as I see, as I kind of answered earlier, it's not as clear cut as being a mistake or wrong. It's just a it's just a different design. Mm-hmm. It's a different style. And you know, up until the eighties, we had multiple styles of gantries everywhere because when a lot of them were devised in the sixties, there were no sign rules for yeah. urban motorways it was left to the individual designers or, 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 or clients or whatever who were proposing mm-hmm. the road to come up with something and they weren't you know, just winging it no As of you course say, they were no, there, you know, there, there was an architectural reasoning yes. yeah. uh, uh, rationale behind yeah, it you, yeah, know? you know the architect 
architectural side of it was important. Mm -hmm. um, oh, absolutely. Okay, well, we've got another couple of questions, and then, and then that'll be us. Yep. Um, Robert Jennings uh, has a question here. Robert's uh, a regular. We say hello to Robert. Robert yes. is a big fan. Hello, Robert. We appreciate Robert's interactions with us, so... We have paraphrased your question ever so slightly here. Um, it's about the Scottish Ambulance building moving to Cow Gardens. Yes. So you know something about this, Stuart. Yes, I do. Okay. The original Scottish Ambulance Service building was mm. in the path of the M8 through Charing Cross. Mm. The We believe, and this is from things I've read online over the years, is that as a sweetener to move them, they were provided with that very wonderful 60s building um, next to the piping centre yep. at Cow Cadden's. And yep. they were they were given that and, and the rumour is they got that for free. Oh. Um as a you know as a sweetener to get them moved away. But as a government body, organisation, and the motorway was being funded seventy five percent by government and the council, you know, it, it makes sense that they mm -hmm. would do that. You know, because they had to be, they had to be put somewhere, and it wasn't their fault they were being forced to move. So why should they have to pay? Absolutely makes sense. So yeah, that that, that I believe is is the reasoning behind that move. You know, um, they they ended up with that that fantastic, brutalist architecture yeah. building, um, in Cowcaddens. It's it's really good to look at. Although it's a bit tired now, it does mm -hmm. need a wee bit of uh, loving attention. TLC, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, that, I believe. What Robert says in his question, you know, he did ask, is it, is it true? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, it is true. Mm. Unfortunately, the person that I could have asked is, is, is no longer with us. You know, there was a person who was involved with the, the Charing Cross planning side of things. Yeah. Um, so I, we, we may never know. We'll, 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 we'll certainly keep our eyes open for that, for any information on that. Oh, that's good. We'll see the answers there for yeah. Robert. So um, the, the, the last question here. It's one of these hypothetical ones, I think, that we quite like. Mm -hmm. um, so, paraphrase this slightly from Duncan McKnight, mm -hmm. who sent this message through Facebook. A message. Yep. Um, if the M8 was built, in the, the rural sections, but the section through Glasgow were not built, so all the urban motorway sections, the inner ring road, weren't there, even the Monkland motorway, not there. Yep. But it still would link to Greenock. Yes. What line do you think it would have taken? So basically, it just doesn't go within Glasgow at all. It bypasses it. Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. line do you think it would have would have taken? I can't envisage a situation where the motorway would have avoided Glasgow mm -hmm. because Glasgow, as a city, almost drives the need for the motorway in the first place. Like a terminus of the west, yeah. slightly. Um. So I can't imagine there ever having been a situation where they would have built a motorway that would have completely bypassed Glasgow. Yeah. Because Glasgow was so poorly served by transport. But I know what you mean from a hypothetical question, you sort of point of view, what alternative routes could it take away yeah. from the city centre? And I suppose the most, perhaps the most realistic options would be around the north of the city. In an engineering context, yes. Yep. You know, north yep. of Easterhouse, yep. north of Springburn, you know, between Springburn Bishop Briggs, through right. that corridor, kind of like the North Link was planned, yep. around the north of Mary Hill and Somerston, uh, mm -hmm. down, you know, around the south of Bearsden and Mulgay, and then maybe joining the A82 around about Kilbowie, that kind of area, yep. you know, Duntoker area, and then maybe linking up with Erskine Bridge, which was a national 
which scheme. is a different thing altogether. Is yeah. yeah. And then I suppose you could look to the south, and the south isn't just so clear cut. No. Because the south side has always had high quality housing and buildings, and that's the reason why the South Link motorway didn't happen. Topographically speaking, there's also challenges there as well. Yeah. You know, and where it would tie in at Paisley and yeah. go up, go up and loop round. It, it'd be a long, it'd be a long loop round, I think, in the south side. Aye, it would have been. It would but need better to for be. M74. Um, you know, yeah. but this is also presuming the M73 would be there to act That's as that right. eastern. Because Glasgow, funnily enough, it does have an eastern bypass of sorts with the, the likes of the M73. I know? suppose it does, but you know, which you links? Can, you, you either see it as an eastern bypass of Glasgow or a western bypass of Lanarkshire, yeah. and it functions better as a western bypass of Lanarkshire because it's for traffic generally heading north from the south. Yeah, you know, or vice so, versa. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so it's really bypassing Lanarkshire's yeah. road rather Glasgow's road. But yeah, I take the point. I mean, it is kinda. It's a hard one to think about, actually, and we got this question in, um, we only had a look at it, thinking about it so much just now, but, um, you know, this is, it, it does tie into a lot of other questions we constantly get into it, is why did they actually build the motorway through the city, why wasn't it built as a bypass or a ring road like other cities, but yeah, which, of course yeah, we yeah, have answered yeah, before, yeah. it's because that's where the traffic wanted and needed Absolutely, to go. it needed to go there, and again, as the value said, of the road wouldn't be as much as if it was a Correct, bypass. and as we've said many times... Highway plan for Glasgow, mm-hmm. Greater Glasgow Transportation Study. Look up our pages on the website, mm-hmm. glasgows-motorways.co.uk, and you will get all the information you need on what else was planned, not yeah. just what was built. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, well, that is all the questions we have this week. Which well, have been... no, I had one very oh. late last-minute question. You've kept this one from yep. me. Maybe I will um, learn something I, here. I had a, a last-minute question from our colleague, Wojciech oh. Borowski, oh. who assists <laughs> us with uh, the website stuff Absolutely. and the archive and our yep. research and things. Our, our Newtown fan. Yes, our Newtown fan. Yeah. Um, he asked if there, have ever, if there has ever been... Any major pile-ups on the Glasgow motorway system? Any really serious, <laughs> severe accidents? Well, Stuart, you've stayed here um, longer than I have yes. in the west of Scotland. Uh, you obviously hail from here. Yes. So I think maybe your best equipped. I mean, in my time, I've I've never seen anything majorly serious. I've seen serious accidents on the M74. Yep. I. Uh, yep. But, but M8. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, there wasn't there was an incident at Hillington. Got a tragic incident many years ago with a, with a car or uh, some kind of like good vehicle going going down an embankment. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's I'm, the only one I know of. But defining pileups and so, a serious I, RTCs. I'm not aware you know, of any considerable accidents. You know, where there have been really serious multiple fatalities or anything of that nature. Mm-hmm. I'm aware of a number of single or double vehicle incidents. I know that early on there was one in the Kingston Bridge. I think a bus hit the parapet and obliterated it on the you know the, the safety mm-hmm. railings. Um it caused a lot of damage there. That frightened people. There was a mm-hmm. similar one in Bovel Street a number of years later at the off ramp where a, a, a truck um, again, hit the railings and caused considerable damage. There was one above Stowe College, but again, these are these are more disruptive incidents rather than severe or serious incidents. 
Um, we do, it, I mean, we, we've not got the figures and the statistics no, with us. We're not no. road safety engineers no, either, no. really. But it, it, would you say that there's maybe any parts of the Glasgow motorway system where there's been a pattern of, of such incidents that might you might be I like, I mean, there well, are one or two hotspots, I suppose, you could, yeah. you could put that down to design or the way that things are I laid out, driver behaviour. Yeah, you would put it down mostly, I think, to driver behaviour and traffic levels. Mm-hmm. Um and now looking back, some things were designed in ways that we just wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that that you need to consider. But similarly, we were looking at the figures that our, uh, our good friend John Cullen had produced um, in 2015. And he estimated that there had actually been a saving, an accident saving, mm-hmm. since the final motorway system, you know, the, the full M8 system across the city was opened, of 55,000 accidents saved. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Think about it. I, I think he worked out that there was something like 400 fatalities or something like that, you know, by getting traffic off the old substandard roads onto the motorway system. I mean, that's huge. He calculated that something like he put a monetary value on it of over £5 billion, mm-hmm. you know. But again, I don't have the exact figures to hand, but, you know. Uh, that's that's another thing that often gets gets forgotten about by people who 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 aren't happy with the fact that the 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 M8 comes so close to the city centre uh, and whatnot. But you, you've just said there yourself how much of a saving yeah. it's been to to have these accidents reduced. Yeah, I mean, that, if that five and a half billion or so figure was was accurate, say, which it probably is based on John's calculations, mm-hmm. that is more than double what it would cost to build the entire motorway yeah. today. Exactly. So, yeah, you know, you're still saving money no, I in know. that regard. You know, um, so it's good ammo for for advocating the motorway. Yeah, no, people moan about you know people complain about urban motorways. Oh, it comes through the city centre. Oh, it does yeah. this, it does that. However, Noisy. people often forget about some of the benefits that came as a result of safety improvements, journey time improvements, reductions in frustration. Um, Pedestrianisation of, of city streets, mm-hmm. uh, you know the, the fact that there's virtually no heavy goods vehicles in Glasgow city centre yep. during the day, um, you know things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know th- there are other benefits. You know that have to be considered. One of the, the things just 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 to round this off by talking a little bit about safety mm-hmm. uh, on the MA. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with the MA. It was something I, I, I came to know when I moved down yeah. here about ten years ago. Yeah. And one of the things being an urban motorway, the junctions come thick and fast, slip they roads do. every everywhere. They I do. found myself, you know, paying attention to driving on this thing like like uh, like I've never done before. You yeah. know, it's not like other motorways, and it's also fully lit. Yeah. A lot of accidents happen at light at night where there are sections of road that are mm-hmm. unlit. It yep. does help the fact that it has very good lighting yeah uh, you know from end to end yep you're right you're absolutely right so um, it, it, I've always felt relatively safe it does have the speed limits uh, of course 50, it's always been 50 D- designed to be 50 miles 50, an hour yeah. and those all those junctions were by design as well because mm-hmm. the corporation's mandate to the designer was to provide rapid access to the city centre for people coming to it or you know from either side mm-hmm. of, of, of the city um, it was to be I think the quote was Quick to get into, quick to get out of. Yes. And certainly on that north and west side of the M8, that is very much the case. Unheard of philosophy now. In, Indeed. In roads in, in places. Indeed. Which rounds off the questions nicely. It does. And gets us talking about other urban motorways which we have yes. had the pleasure of visiting in the UK. Yep. So Stuart, what city should we start with first? Well where where have we been? We've been we've we've been in Newcastle. Yes. We've been to Leeds. We have. 
uh, we went we went to London. Now London, uh, in a legal sense, doesn't have urban motorways anymore, but it did, mm-hmm. and the the roads uh, are still are still there, but without blue signs, uh, now have green signs. Yep. Where, well, where well, else? We've been in Birmingham, Birmingham, um, and Manchester. Manchester. Yes, we've been in all the sort of the major UK cities that have or claim to have mm-hmm. an urban motorway system of some kind. Yeah. Okay. And simply put, they are rubbish. <laughs> Uh, okay. In comparison right. to Glasgow. And I'm not just going to say that, I'm going to back that up with what I have seen on our travels. Yes. Right. Okay. Because it was clear to me that Glasgow is the only city that did it properly. Yes. In the sense that it has adequate lane uh, spacing and, and, mm-hmm. and, and width in terms of not just two lanes, it has hard shoulders. Well, it has good junctions. Should we use Newcastle maybe as uh, an example here? <laughs> yeah. Of an urban motorway system. Now, the the, the the urban motorway network, if you if you can call it that, in Newcastle is, if you've visited the city before, is really not quite as comprehensive as what we have in Glasgow. No, no. I mean, it has some interesting features on it. I mean, there is a section uh, uh, where it is double deck. Yeah. Where the uh, the, the northbound. Carriageway is on top and the southbound yeah. is believe for yeah. beneath or something like that. Yeah. But one thing we noticed straight away was it's forty mile an hour limit. Yes. There aren't hard shoulders no. on it. The signage isn't consistent. Absolutely. It's certainly not uh, been completed in the same. So maybe no. the planning of these things. Yeah. Good. I mean, I don't like to, I, I, Newcastle in particular. I don't like to to slam it too much because mm-hmm. I know they had plans for something that was much more. Yeah. But that said, what what they have built is only two lanes. It's basically a dual carriageway. Yes. Yeah, it's not a proper motorway. It's not even a proper urban motorway. We, we see urban dual carriageways to a high. I mean, yeah. the high side expressway yeah, is to a higher standard. It's than a that. higher standard than the Newcastle motorway system. Yeah. Um, you know, and it dumps you on the Tyne Bridge. You know, it dumped yeah. off a motorway onto a surface street, mm-hmm. and it's space of what, half a mile, quarter of a mile. Yeah. That's not so good either. Um, it's. I mean, it's it's audacious. You know, um, in 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 some ways, you know, it's yeah, kind of, it's it's out there. It is. And it, it, one thing we noticed about the architecture of it in mm. Glasgow, you know, obviously there was the the consulting architects, Halfords, which were brought in, yeah, you know, to make sure that the motorway um, was in keeping with the surrounding area. Yes. And a lot of things with junctions <clears throat> were kept on two levels. Yep. Now, when we went to go see Newcastle in particular, mm-hmm. there didn't seem to be much in the way of. Um, Aesthetic amenity on no. this thing. Yeah, I mean, the That's retaining right. walls, for example, just brutal face concrete. Yep, it's all know. very functional. Yes, but it's not very aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. The one thing about the Glasgow system that people, uh, people who were involved in the design, have told me over the years is, it took the best of the American system, it took the best of the European system, and uh-huh. it combined it into what we have in Glasgow. That's to say, a European urban motorway is. Very well designed. It's mm-hmm. a high standard. It's very environmentally pleasing. It's very aesthetic. It's very nice and mm-hmm. it's functional. And then you go to America and it's very functional. It does the job. It's got the lanes. It's got the Certainly. bridges, the free flow links, and all the rest of it. Glasgow is a combination of the two, mm-hmm. and that is helped by the fact that a number of the people involved in Glasgow and the planning were had experience in America and experience on the continent, and they visited places like Stockholm and mm-hmm. France and yeah. Germany um, you know in various places that had urban motorways already yeah. Yeah, and across, of course in America mm-hmm. and they saw what worked and they took the best of that now the, it's, what's clear from the other English cities is that they don't have that American influence mm-hmm. it's like they were trying to build an urban motorway but they didn't quite have the bottle to see it through yeah 
or, or perhaps the circumstances surrounding where they were looking to build it didn't fit. Glasgow had the benefit of the comprehensive development areas yeah. where the, the entire area was being flattened and rebuilt and the road just happened to be a part of the new, the new concept. A set know? of circumstances, a yeah. window of opportunity yes. existing in Glasgow yes. that gave it this advantage that you know these other cities perhaps they didn't have. That's right. You know. Although we did see from Newcastle that there are a lot of 1970s developments around about the road that have been built yeah. at the same time as it. You know, mm. So there obviously was a bit of redevelopment going on. Yeah. Um, switching to Birmingham. Yes. Birmingham's a strange case. Talking about the A38M. Okay. I don't really consider the M6 or the M5 as being a Birmingham urban motorway. No. I mean, they're elevated, aren't the, yeah. they? they? Obviously, there's the A38M, <clears throat> which you described, yeah. kind of collides with the M6 at yeah. Gravelly Hill, which yeah. is Spaghetti Junction. Yeah. So I wouldn't class the M5 or the M6 Midland Links. Okay. as being urban motorways in that sense because they're not going through Birmingham City Centre. What Birmingham right. does have is the A38M, which then becomes the A38 yes. as it goes through the city centre itself. It's never really pretended to be anything particularly extensive or major or wonderful or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, you know, but it has a couple of tunnels and underpasses and things, Yeah, but it's not advertising itself as a motorway. No. It's a dual carriageway in an urban location. And as that, that works okay. What I mean, if you if you recall, I mean, it was a couple of years ago when we went on this. Yeah. Um, we're just kind of putting our thoughts together just now on it. Yeah. But what very particular and unique feature did this section of urban motorway have? Um, the A38M that you won't see elsewhere. There is something very striking about it, if you can remember. Oh, the tidal flow. Yes. System. Yeah. Educate people on this. People yeah. who haven't been to Birmingham before, because this truly so is something. You have a road. That is ten lanes it's wide. It's seven lanes. Seven lanes wide, and there's no central reservation. Yes. And what you have is a gantry, an overhead gantry, every so often above the carriageway, mm-hmm. with green arrows mm-hmm. above the lane which goes in a particular direction. Yes. So in the morning, you may have five lanes going into the city centre. Mm-hmm. But at night, in the evening peak, that might switch to reverse. So you might have five lanes going out and only two lanes going in. And then during the day, it's kind of an equal um, as what they've done. Is it not three and three with a gap in the middle? What they do, I think it's they do a four Four, going in and then there's a gap and then there's two 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 coming out. out. And apparently it works very well. Um, I mean, we we drove on it and we we, we drove beyond the the A30AM onto the A30AM. Yeah, yeah. Um, But that that, that is is something that does work very well, you know, a tidal flow. It's never been used anywhere else in the UK. Um, it was it was something that they they done there and uh, and, and we don't see anywhere else. Uh, Birmingham was one of these places. It actually had uh, an inner ring road of sorts, but it wasn't a urban motorway. It, it actually they ripped it out in the late nineties, uh, early kind of noughties. They they took away large sections of the urban urban dual carriageways and uh, also around kind of like the, the bull ring areas and yeah. so on and replaced them with surface level boulevards, um, which don't quite have the same traffic. Uh, capacity as the older roads there. So Birmingham had actually uh, had reversed uh, some of its road schemes around about yeah, that time. Yeah, and, and, yeah, the, there was some justification for some of the things that they did, although I think they're suffering a bit for, yeah. from it now. Um, well, where does traffic go? You know, it still has to go somewhere. Unless you're somewhere. doing something to actively reduce traffic levels, yeah. then really what's the point? You know, and that's well, kind of what they did. Yeah, you're only making it more difficult for anyone yeah. to live there and do business there if you do things yeah, like that. Yeah, people you know? are still going to drive anyway because it's just the way people are. Yeah. Um, the best sort of a case... Well, Manchester has a very limited network as well. It's got the, six, the M602, 
mm-hmm. which comes in from is the it west. The A57M is and the A57M, yeah. Mancunian Way. Mancunian Way is is one of these roads that's very elevated. It's very, mm-hmm. it's like a kind of road in the sky. Yeah, this thing. Uh, it's not very long, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest with you, but it is it is impressive. To be honest, when when you're up on it, but it, it's the same as Newcastle, isn't it? It's a very yeah. small kind of. Still, only has two lanes though. Yeah, and all Glasgow, God, Glasgow's got elevated four lanes, five lanes. Yeah, no problem. You know. Uh-huh. Um, I know. You know, again, you have to you have to compare it back to Glasgow. I suppose the other one that we've been in recently was Leeds. Yes. And I would say of all the other cities, Leeds probably had the best okay. of those roads, in my view. Okay. In a sense that they were more aesthetically pleasing. There's than a lot of cotton covered tunnel. I mean, there's a yeah. section where it goes completely under the hospital there in, yes. in town. I mean, yeah. we, we have a small section of cotton covered tunnel. Yeah, we do. Cross, we do. Uh, but it is most noticeable on the, on that particular mm-hmm. urban motorway system. It's actually split into two. I forget the numbers of them now, but there, yeah. there is is uh, it's two urban motorways that mm-hmm. link together in Leeds, and they are quite something. Yeah. Uh, the the only thing that really, just to go back to gantries, I mean the signage on that route was particularly maybe it's oh, more of a maintenance issue, but it's it was shocking. Yeah. And in Leeds. In Leeds. Yeah. I although there were some examples of signage in Leeds that I really quite liked. If it was well maintained, I mean we yeah. would have found ourselves looking at quite yeah. a few relics. This is true. Above this the road, is true. Maybe know, we so. should write letters to Leeds. <laughs> Is it, would it be Leeds City Council or the highways I, I, England? No, I, I, sure I believe they are maintained by local authorities. So it would be Leeds City Council, yeah, most yeah. likely. So we could send them a letter and tell them to get their, their internally illuminated signs that are built into the walls <laughs> above and the bridges maintained. Mm-hmm. Very nice feature. I recommend Leeds as a good drive. Um, yeah. It was. I was impressed. But again, still no Glasgow by a long way. Mm-hmm. Not a Glasgow in any sense. If you're looking for a proper urban motorway in the style of an American city, mm-hmm. visit Glasgow. Yes. Um, Definitely, definitely the case. Um, I am trying to think. Well, we've Belfast only, is another one. Well, that Belfast has one. is is it has has got uh, a, an urban motorway system. Yeah. Uh, very much. There were big plans in Belfast. Yeah. There's a fantastic book we have on this from by Wesley Johnson. Wesley Johnson, who uh, who does a website on on Northern Ireland's roads. Yep. This is kind of a Northern Irish counterpart. Yep. Um, we haven't been over to Northern Ireland to to, to see the system, but it's, it's something we're going to plan. Yeah. Uh, it's something that we're quite interested in seeing. Yeah. They've got a separate road numbering system there as well. Indeed. It's quite I think I think the Northern Irish one is that's the one we won't comment on because it's the one we're not still seen to it. see. We've yeah. not seen it. Uh, but I think even Wesley Johnson admits in his book. But mm-hmm. it's still no Glasgow either. It's not a Glasgow. No, it's not. Um, not it's not on that scale out there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just, uh, lastly, we have one more city. We mm-hmm. have London. Yes. Which actually doesn't have any urban motorways anymore, but it did. It did. And then when the the local authority changes came in, uh, transport for London and these kind of things were created. They they demotorway took away the motorway restrictions on these things. Yeah. We're of course talking about roads like the Westway, um, the Blackwall uh, Northern. Uh, Northern Approach, Backwall Tunnel, Northern Approach Road, uh, and these roads here. And they are, compared to the other urban motorways in England we've seen, these are roads which have uh, a much greater capacity on them. They're often three lane. Yeah. Uh, the, the A roads, such as the, the A12 and the A406 North Circular, three lane, four lane in sections, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I mean, the, the volume of traffic in London, one thing we've been noticed was so much greater than anything we have to deal with here. Yeah. It, it, it is. Um, it is quite staggering, 
you know I mean even at all times of the day even late at night these roads were busy oh. um, to be honest uh, but London has very serious traffic issues uh, in in the town there so it is actually quite a hard one to compare where the other cities were, were a bit easier yeah you know um, but I, I particularly one one just one route it really stood out to me was the 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 A12 a uh, route that goes from the Blackwall Tunnel and eventually goes up to North Circular, links up with the M11. And a lot of this was actually built in the early 90s. Um, and I found that road had what, what looked like quite a lot of good uh, good aesthetics along that. Some considerations certainly went into that to blend that in to, yeah. to its environment. And it was, I mean, when when they built that, I mean, quite a lot was demolished. Whole streets were completely mm-hmm. purchased. So, um, yeah, there was uh, some brave stuff. But that, that, that stood out for me in... In London, I'm not sure what your thoughts were on the whole London thing. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed some of some of that, and it's kind of good in the way that they took the motorway restrictions off of some of these because it opens it up to all types of traffic. Yeah, you know as well. Uh, so yeah, London was all right, but the problem with London in general is the traffic's just yeah, horrendous. It's okay. it's okay you know, to get yeah. anywhere, you know. Yeah, you know, it's just so. awful at all times of day. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, to, yeah. Sorry, John. Just I, I would say that Glasgow is definitely, I think, and I've, we've often been told this that Glasgow is probably the most superior of the of the urban motorways. Yes, and through cities, you can, you can in, get in, anywhere. In well, most places on a motorway, high quality route. Yeah, um, in in Glasgow, yeah. and it is is also unique for the fact that they they tend to go into the city. Yeah. And uh, blast through it in style, and out the other side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just it. So. Lastly, mm-hmm. talk about some of the things that are coming up. Yes. Are we going to be famous again? We are going to be famous again. Yeah. Well, regional, regionally <laughs> famous. famous. Uh, mm. We will be appearing on BBC One Scotland's Landward programme mm-hmm. at some point in late mid to late May. Um, they have an episode coming up which talks about bridges in Scotland um, and the Erskine Bridge was one of the ones chosen um, particularly because Doogie Vipond, the presenter, has a close um, kind of personal connection, personal connection yeah. with the bridge so we were happy to go along and we filmed for a while with them giving mm-hmm. them some facts and figures about the bridge uh, so rest assured when we know when that's going to air we will certainly advertise it in advance mm-hmm. so you can all tune in and, yeah. uh, and see see what we say. We're looking forward to seeing the finished article mm-hmm. um, because it's probably the highest profile appearance that we'll have had to date. Since, well, yeah. Right. Since the Scotland at Work documentary in 2016. When, yeah. uh, we were unveiled to the world. Yes, exactly. exactly. So, so. so we've got that coming up. In terms of the website, work does continue slowly. Um, on expanding various articles and things like mm-hmm. that. The timeline has been expanded up to 1980. Yep. Um, some tweaks and things to the look have been made. Um, the west flank of the inner ring road, that continues to grow slowly. We're, we're getting there. I mean, I don't yeah. know, we're, we're hoping to have this out soon. But the thing is, I mean, we want to make sure it's good. Yeah, that's right. You know, you know, sure it's right, time. you know, we're not going to put any old rubbish time. out there. We have made some changes to our Erskine Bridge page as well in advance of the uh, the broadcast of Landward. So mm-hmm. there's one or two things you might notice on there changing over the, the coming week or two. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, keep keep an eye, keep a close eye. Um, in terms of that, we have our ongoing inner ring road story mm-hmm. on social media at the moment. Every day in May, we are publishing a new image or tale 
about the development of the motorway or the construction of the motorway through Glasgow and the ring road and its eventual cancellation yep. and whatnot. So that continues um, and is going okay so yeah. far. Even um, if you've missed it, go on a Facebook, yeah, go scroll on back, look through, back yep, you'll look see, through it, give it a like, see give various, some comments. Yep. Things, yep. So that, that's worth a look. Um, and, and I have one or two um, interviews coming up with people who've been involved in the construction or planning of the motorways down the years. Uh-huh. Um, I won't give any more than that away at this stage, but hopefully we'll have some, some new material coming about as a result of that. Uh-huh. John, I don't know if there's anything that you have planned that's coming up not particularly not so much as i think you've uh, we've, we've got it covered mm-hmm. on the social media front yeah just obviously thinking about when our next big road trip's going to be we've obviously had our, our uk one mm-hmm. i reckon it's it's time we maybe had a look in other places in scotland to keep it a bit closer to home maybe looking up north at some point later in the year yeah or, uh, and, yeah. and, and look yeah. at other areas mm-hmm. the, the the parts of scotland which do not have any motorways yeah. Oh, how do they manage? I know. You know, so um, <laughs> yes, some some road trips and things like that coming up, and and always the site work always continues when we have the time. Yeah, and and hopefully the gap between podcast three and four won't be as long as the one between two no. and three. I'm going to blame John entirely for that delay <laughs> uh, because it's just finding the time. Yeah, that's isn't right, it? I'm exactly. sorry. So we will it, we will try and keep them as regular <laughs> as possible. So yeah. please keep the questions coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, and any other subjects you want us to discuss in particular if you really want us to get into the kind of uh, the meat of something let yep. us know and, and, it, and it's always it's always a welcome suggestion no definitely we make these podcasts for you guys you know um, really so tell yeah. us what you want us to do absolutely so, right. so we'll definitely be back with you very soon and uh, we hope you've enjoyed this one please leave your feedback um, we always like to hear what you think if there's any suggestions or anything you have please do let us know uh, we appreciate that Yes. But uh, from John and I, for now, it's goodbye. Goodbye.